0: Casey family, so I'm really excited to uh, to speak with my guest today, who is, I'm reading this, producer, director, a writer, and a musician, all the fun jobs he gets to be. His name is Aaron David Roberts, and uh, and he's here with me on Zoom out of San Diego. Hello, Aaron.
1: Hey, good morning. How are you doing?
0: Good. I So I first heard about you right after the pandemic started. I have some friends in the industry who work with uh, music venues here in St. Louis and up in Chicago and whatnot, And I remember hearing about somebody making a documentary Um, at that time, I think it was just a documentary, not a docu-series about the venues going dark for a year and it's called One Year Dark. And so it's really cool to meet the person behind what is now a docu-series because I thought at the time, like, that is so badass that somebody is like focusing on the venues. So I'm really happy to meet you and I'm, I'm just curious about like, what, like, What was that like? Uh, How did you know to focus on the venues to really showcase what had happened during the pandemic?
1: Well, honestly, um, it was uh, just a conversation between uh, my producing partner, Andrew, and I. Um, It was probably December of the pandemic year, 2020, maybe a little before that. Um, And we just, we hadn't seen live music in, you know, almost a year. And we, being in California one of the most kind of restricted, you know, lockdown states in the nation, we didn't really know when we were going to see live music again. (laughs) Or, you know, kind of even if some of these venues that had been shut down for like, you know, nine months at that point were ever going to reopen again. So it, it really came from a place of, just wanting to, A, you know, shine a light on what's happening, right? Like, this is pretty wild. Every music venue across the country pretty much has been shut down. There's been no live music. And and really, it started as trying to create a historical document of why are these places important? Who played at these places? Why do people love these places? And what will world without these independent live music venues, what would it look like? Um, So we just started kind of capturing the story, and then as things started reopening, you know, in summer of 21, we just kept following the story from up and down California, we went to Austin, we've been to Detroit, Minneapolis, um, and, you know, trying to expand to a couple of the last uh, bastions of live music uh, this summer between Nashville, New York, potentially Chicago, St. Louis, um, and then maybe the Pacific Northwest, so... Um, but yeah, it's it's really been a, a quite a long journey that started just by kind of wanting to wanting to help and just wanting to point cameras at a place that I, honestly I was surprised no one had started the doc before me. So
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm happy you did. I mean, I remember when the uh, National Independent Venue Association launched because you know, and like in the trailer for your docu series One Year Dark, I believe it was one of the bookers, uh, maybe at the Viper Room, that said. Uh, you know, there's no bailout for independent venues, you know, there's bailouts for the housing market, for the banks, um, but there's nothing for what is so beloved to all people. I mean, music is the great connector. And I think very much um, out of all the things that went de- went dark for the pandemic, muse- live music was the thing that, I mean, it hurt me the most because <laughs> I, I was used to going like every week and and going to, you know, so many shows a year. Um, so tell me about like, what was the first venue you reached out to? Like, how did you like, how did you map out your quest in uh, California? Like, how did you know who to hit up first? And, and and was there a venue that was most important for you to feature?
1: So um, we had sort of a, a foot, a left foot in the door of Neva, California, so to speak. Um, I actually went to high school with uh, who, someone who became, her name is Julia Heath. She became the vice president of Neva California, actually. Um, so before that, she was just kind of working in their marketing team. Um, so because I knew she was involved in Neva, she had done a couple interviews. Uh, she used to work up at a venue called Harlow's uh, Nightclub in Sacramento. Um, so because I, I knew that she was involved in Neva and Andrew and I were starting this project, it was just sort of like a natural hey, let's, let's reach out to her and, and see what can happen. And then from there, you know, she kind of helped us map out, gosh, I think we did over 20 some odd venues in the state of California. So it was uh, about six in Southern California and something like 15 or 18 in Northern California from Santa Cruz all the way up to Sacramento because um, they really have a, a lot of music going on up there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just a reach out through Neva, uh, kind of to see who was interested in what we were doing. And, um, you know, we, we got a lot of the great venues that, that were really important in, in LA and a lot of venues that are really important in the Bay Area, um, and really met some just incredible venue people along the way.
0: You, the, the gets that you have as far as musicians for this series is pretty phenomenal. I actually, I looked at the IMDb of of your docu-series, When You're Dark. And I'm just going to... Um, and, and let me make sure all this is accurate, too. Um, so you have people like Chris, Chris Shiflett of the Foo Fighters, who's in the uh, the um, trailer, uh, Frank Turner, Tim McGraw, Jamie Foxx, Faith Hill, Snoop, Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins, Alicia Keys, DJ Khaled, Jason Derulo, and Dead Mouse. Is that all accurate?
1: So we are doing a mix of... Um... Yeah, so, so between all the names you just mentioned, obviously, we've got people like Chris and Frank and Noel Skaggs from Fitch and the Tantrums that we've already sat down with either once or a couple of times and had a, a full sit-down interview. Um, we are also working on some of those bigger fun names that you mentioned for a full sit-down interview, but additionally, um, what's fun about documentaries is, you know, because I'm telling a story that has been public, right, um, there are also just a lot of public news clips and public domain kind of availability uh with some of these artists talking about um you know venues why live music's important that we're also able to work into the documentary uh without necessarily needing to go sit down with every single musician uh so it, it's definitely a mix of people we've you know actually spoken to at a live venue whether it's from a show um and then a mix of kind of you know news clippings and, and what's readily available to us, but we still have a lot more fun names that we're lining up for this summer. Um, and uh, you know it's, it's been it's been a real blessing to, to meet a lot of cool people. so
0: Tell me about where people are able to like this hasn't I mean I haven't been able to, um, to find it to watch the Docu series online yet. So is there going to be an official launch or where does the docu series live for people who are interested?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are still in production on this damn thing, to, to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we uh, are mostly done. Um, Right now we're kind of in between finishing about the last third of production and uh, packaging it up, which is the fun industry term for figuring out how many episodes it's going to be and going around to the Netflix and the HBO and the Amazons and kind of going, who wants this? And for how much money do we want to sell (laughs) it for? And how many episodes? So, you know, our, our plan and, you know, we, we know that there is interest to, to get this thing out on a streaming platform. So it's really just sort of us finishing our job in the next two, two or three months here. Uh, we've got some filming coming up at the end of this month, uh, a festival in Monterey called Cali Roots, which is a massive reggae festival that hasn't had it's festival since COVID. So, you know, it's another thing that we're still finding reopenings of things that haven't happened since COVID that we're still hitting for our story. Um, and then after that, uh, Frank Turner is doing a 50 States in 50 days tour, which
0: is
1: wild. And, uh, we are actually covering, um, portions of that for the documentary as a way to hop around to some different cities and, and really tell the story. Um, so, we hope if all goes well, it should be out um, on platforms available to you near the fall, winter, or at the very latest spring of next year. Um, and if you would like to follow to see where we end up, follow us at One Year Dark. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and TikTok, and probably anything else that I could claim at One Year Dark with. So. <laughs>
0: I know how difficult it is to uh well I so I work in radio but I also we do a lot of video and actually um this is kind of breaking news for anybody of my audience watching um there is a documentary that has been in the works for the last year about our radio station because Casey's is the longest running rock station in the nation which is really cool um And so we have a guy working on it for us. So I know kind of what you do, it's how like, and we're, we're shopping it around too. We're hoping to get on a streaming platform eventually. So I can totally empathize with like what that process is like, especially whenever it's like a passion project, which I can tell that one year dark has been for you and your, your partner, Andrew. Um, something that I find obviously bittersweet about this whole journey that you've been on with, um, Focusing so much on live music and um, how important our independent venues are, is we've lost a great musician in in the last two years, and it's it's hit us so deeply in the rock world. And it it is drummer of the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins. And I actually, um, Aaron, I found out about you because I had a couple people. Uh, tag me in a Foo Fighters forum where you had posted about your creative entity, which is called Rising, Tide, Rising Tides Creative, and how under that uh, production company, I guess you, um, One Year Dark is happening, but also now you've got a, a whole nother um, part of it, which is you're doing a tribute to Taylor Hawkins. So tell me about what that submission process has been like and where this will fit in with One Year Dark.
1: Yeah, you know, um, the Foo Fighters are one of the, you know, very big reasons they, they might be the first, if not one of the first, you know, bands that I really, really connected with. Um, you know, that was of my generation, right. You know, grew up with the classic rock stuff from, from my dad. And, you know, you always liked, Oh, the, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and this and that, you know, but, um, Probably around junior high is when I, when I first discovered the Foo Fighters, which was right around Echo, Silence, Patience and Grace when when that was released. And boy, I mean, it just, uh, they, they just really hit a chord, <laughs> not, not to make a pun, but just struck something, you know, right, right inside. And, and I quickly became just a gigantic fan. Um, you know, I found out that Dave, Dave and I share a same birthday, um, which, you know, kind of meant a, meant a lot to me as a kid and, you know, kind of really, dove into who Dave Grohl is and who the band is. And, and I was just, uh, I was just, they, they meant a lot. And, uh, when Taylor, you know, when Taylor passed, it was, it was shocking for, for everybody, for all of us, you know, I think everyone kind of, you know, I don't want to say we took them, took the foods for granted, but, you know, we had all kind of assumed like, Oh, they're just that the biggest rock band and they'll probably play it for another 20, 25 years. And and that's just what it'll be. Right. You know, that was just sort of, that was just sort of the thought. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to try and do something. You know, I, I, I was lucky enough to meet Chris, uh, you know, late last year at a show of one of our venues that, that we play at. He was, he was so nice and it was so cool to, you know, kind of like, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I'm meeting a, a Foo Fighter. For me, that was, yeah. that, was, that was such a such a big thing for, for me back in junior high. Um, and just kind of, you know, with Taylor's passing, knowing that, no one really knows the future of the band and and who can predict. And that's not really what this is about, but me wanting to still try to give something to this, to this band that, that meant so much to me. And especially knowing that, you know, I might never get the chance to see them as, as well. I definitely will never get a chance to see them as they were again, and hopefully still get a chance to see them in some capacity. Um, So knowing that my platform isn't the biggest of just me, myself, uh, you know, not, don't have uh, thousands of followers yet, but um, I, I knew there were a lot of great Foo Fighters fan groups and fan pages dedicated to to the band, um, and I started to see all these just beautiful submissions of people's artwork just pouring in, um, just just really talented painters and uh, you know artists hand drawn stuff that that just started to touch me, um, and I I you know through doing this documentary I had learned. Not that I already didn't know necessarily, but I, I've learned what kind of a therapy session, honestly, my my interviews became with a lot of these venue owners and bookers and security guards and, and people who had no one to talk to about what had been going on. And I thought, let's kind of open up that same idea for, for Taylor and for Foo Fighters fans. You know one of the pillars of our documentary that we really focus on is how music brings community and it 's a community of musicians as we 've seen for when people you know the just mountain mountains of musicians who have paid tribute to Taylor, whether it was right after or you know bands that have continued to to play a foo fighter song or 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 do something for Taylor, whether it 's you know a community of fans that that are gathering at at these venues, like communities of foo Fighters fans, one of the things we like to say is you can be at a show and have nothing else in common with anyone else there except you 're all there for the same music, and you know also a community of of just venue workers, but you know we really thought that Taylor played into this community pillar really well because he was just such a great guy. That was the other thing you know hearing everyone 's individual stories of oh, Taylor would always take the time to to take a picture. You know, there was like a a 10-year-old fan in Brazil or Argentina, you know, like a couple of days before he passed that had some great interaction with him outside the hotel room. Or one of my favorite stories was the meme about the Guitar Center thing. I don't know if you saw that where- I did. Taylor and Dave would always go and do a guitar center and some employee noticed that Taylor would never walk out of there, but his, you know, credit card bill was always stacking up. And someone was like, yeah, he never leaves without buying a drum set for some kid. Like, come on. I mean, yeah. So, you know, um, I've I've received over twenty twenty plus submissions from fans around the world um, who've given me uh, you know politely allowed me into their home or, or their car or wherever they are and you know they've held up their phone and they've answered some of my questions and you know whatever I can do that can help people process and and move forward and and you know um, that's that was important to me and, and additionally you know we, we thought it was again, really such a great, great, you know, I'm using air quotes, obviously, but but a, a great piece for the documentary insofar as showing how important music can be in people's lives. Um, you know, from somebody that most of us have never even met, still left such a giant impact on millions and millions of people around the world. Like, I almost want to say hundreds of millions, because I'm pretty sure there are depths from just the United States, the UK, from all South American countries, from Australia, where I know they're huge. It probably is in the hundreds of millions or very near close to it. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's still something I think we're all struggling to sometimes find the words to, to talk about, <laughs> like me right Absolutely. now. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, well, and it's interesting that Taylor was such a light, like that was a word that kept, um, standing out with every, uh, tribute that I read after he passed was that he was a light. And so, and unfortunately it kind of ties into the title one year dark because the Foo Fighters aside from jazz fest a couple weeks ago, you know, they didn't perform, but they were there and Chad Smith of the red hat chili peppers. I'm sure you saw, did that great tribute, um, to Taylor had Taylor, um, on his drum kit and then was getting the the crowd to really, you know, say we love Taylor and, and Dave Grohl was walking around jazz fest, like finally being seen. And I think for me, you want to talk about like how personal it can affect you. I mean, yeah, I never have gotten to the, the closest I've gotten to Dave Grohl or any of those guys is I've seen, um, Chris Schifflet actually played a solo show in my hometown because of my buddy's veterans, uh, concert called Songs for Soldiers, and he was the musical guest. So that was like the coolest thing ever to have a Foo Fighter in my hometown. And then I've also interviewed Virginia Grohl. And so I've gotten to like thank her for birthing one of the <laughs> best human beings ever. But um, you, you know, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, thank you Virginia. And so, you know, but when Taylor passed away, I, I mean, and I, I've submitted a video to you as well, just full transparency. Um, my reaction was I had a listener say, Taylor is dead. And it was on my Instagram messenger. And I thought, Oh, she just saw the movie studio six, six, six. I thought, I know Taylor dies in that movie. And I thought, wait a minute, I need, before I reply to her, I need to make sure that he is still alive. And sure enough, that's when it broke. That was a Friday night. And I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like it just was like, I lost, um, somebody who I hope to meet someday. I've seen him a million times. And I did feel like it was a personal loss. And unfortunately, um, the food fighters will never be the same because of that chemistry that Taylor and Dave have. And so, you know, unfortunately I look at the food fighters and I'm wondering how dark it will be for them if it will ever come back. And I hope it does, but I also would totally understand if it doesn't, you know, maybe it turns into something else like David done before. So uh, to me, I'm really um, happy that you are focusing on taylor hawkins and allowing fans to to have a moment to pay respects and i hope that you get hundreds and hundreds of submissions you know because i think that he's well worth his own episode of of a docuseries um you know because it is such a uh, telling thing about how musicians are the um the heartbeat of what venues do. Aaron, it is such a pleasure to meet you. I hope that sharing this gets you uh, people to follow along. And I, um, I hope the docu-series comes out sooner than later. I hope that every streaming platform is like bidding for you guys uh, to be on theirs. And you, you know, you're doing it right. Just from the trailer and I'll, I'll post the trailer with this interview. Um, you can just tell that you are music fans and that you care about people that not just the musicians, but everybody from like the janitorial staff that keeps our beloved venues spotless and, and keeping it, you know, worthy of coming in and spending money and drinking beers and, and watching our favorite band. So it's, it's so good to meet you. And I, I really hope the best for One Year Dark. I hope it comes out sooner um, than later.
1: Likewise. <laughs> we've been working <laughs> on it for quite a while. And I know Andrew and I both, as much as we've we've absolutely loved it, it's also taken over our lives in, in a good way and a bad way. But you know, the the sooner we can get it out to everybody um, and just just see what it see how it all comes together. Uh, you know, I, I know we'll be, we'll be very pleased and, and can't wait. So, well,
0: Aaron, David Roberts, follow along one year dark on all the social platforms, stay abreast of what's going on. Cause you will want to see this docu-series when it finally makes its debut. Aaron, it was a pleasure to meet you. And if you ever need anything, reach out. We'd love to promote it even more.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that.